What is up? I am Evan Lovett, and welcome to my new podcast, In a Minute with Evan Lovett. This is an Odyssey original brought to you by my company, In a Minute Media, coming to you live from my studio in the heart of my favorite city in the world, Los Angeles, California. Let's get into it. Yo, what is up? This is episode number 13. Lucky number 13. At least my son thinks so. That's his baseball uniform number. And we are here, as always, in the heart of Los Angeles, the I Am Studios. And we have a fantastic episode today. But first, I want to say thank you. We're ranked in the top 10 in travel and places again. This is the last few weeks. And we even cracked the top 250 overall. So I am very thankful for everybody continuing to listen. Thank you very much. And if you haven't given us a rating yet, please take a second to do so. It's easy and it really does help. Reviews are even better. And your ideas, your DMs, your comments are really motivating. And just seeing this growth, well, that's because of you. So again, thank you very much. Appreciate everybody who listens. So here's what we're going to be talking about today. It's what I learned this week, which is going to dovetail into something that happened in L.A. And you'll see. It's about a pandemic. No, 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 not, not COVID. Come on. But an 80-year epidemic, which has become a pandemic that we've just learned to live with in Los Angeles. And yeah, this week was the week that it came back. And the origin story on this one is exceptional. Then I'm going to jump right into, if you're going to do one thing in LA this week, do this. You want to talk about origin stories? This one is incredible. It's everything that LA is about. People, personalities, the American dream, food, underdog story. And I'm talking immensely delicious street food that has taken over the continent and it started from a parking lot right here in Los Angeles. All right, y'all, let's get into it. I'm going to start with what I learned this week. This is a big one. There's a lot to unpack here, so bear with me. Now, Los Angeles has had two formal pandemics. COVID from about 2020 to, let's say, 2022, which killed, according to the World Health Organization, 36,000 people in Los Angeles. And the Spanish flu, which was from 1918 to the early 1920s, which killed about 2,700 people in Los Angeles, roughly the same proportion. Those are bona fide, verified pandemics. But did you know that LA is actually in the midst of a sprawling 80-year pandemic? At least 80 years here in Los Angeles. Something that's affected the entire world. But get this. There is a specific start date to this pandemic in Los Angeles. That's July 26th, 1943. Let me tell you about this. So on that July date, July 26th, 1943. We're in the midst of World War II. And Los Angeles was attacked. The Los Angeles Times reported that smoke and fumes descended on downtown, cutting visibility to three blocks out of nowhere. And this happened in the midst of a heat wave. You know these LA heat waves during the summer. This was initially labeled as a gas attack. And it was unbearable. Workers, residents, Travelers, tourists, 
were, they had stinging eyes, scraping throats, incessant coughs. And it also left people with the realization that something had gone terribly wrong in Los Angeles, the city prized for its sunny climate. Now, I told you there's a lot to unpack here, so follow me. First, people thought it was the Japanese. They thought it was a chemical warfare attack. And this is good reason. This is two years after Pearl Harbor. So the U.S. was in its second year of heavy fighting against the Japanese during World War II. But that was disproven quickly, within 24 hours. But those were the headlines, and that was the news at the time. But the following day, city officials called an emergency. And they pointed the finger at the Southern California Gas Company, specifically the Aliso Street plant, which manufactured something called butadine, an ingredient in synthetic rubber. They thought that the fumes of this manufacturing process were causing this, this gas, which was thought of as a gas attack. So public pressure temporarily shuttered the plant, but these gas attacks persisted. And it showed that the plant wasn't the culprit. So now people were really concerned and car accidents were happening. Visibility was down to a block. Mothers were wondering why their kids' eyes were watering and they were coughing. Police officers were loopy and were wearing gas masks. I have photos of this. I am posting a story to LA in a minute to show what this looked like. It is insane to kind of think about and see this in 1943. This was a circus-like atmosphere where this burgeoning metropolis this up-and-coming juggernaut known as los angeles its people and its politicians were speechless when la got this first slap in the face of this onslaught of this gas these noxious fumes it took everybody by surprise and what happened next hasn't stopped happening since people were getting sick they were developing breathing conditions, lung illnesses, relentless headaches. The old and the infirm were perishing prematurely. Sound familiar? And here we are 80 years later. And the stats from UCLA say that in 2022, last year, 1,341 people perished from this same set of illnesses going back almost 80 years from the same cause and something that really was an epidemic but can be described as in the same terms as a pandemic I'm talking about smog air pollution and this dovetails with my something that happened in LA this week the study was released the American Lung Association once a year releases their state of the air report <laughs> and greater Los Angeles remains the smoggiest metropolitan area in the nation. An infamous title that the region has held in every report except one over the last 24 years. Los Angeles, again, the worst, gets an F, a failing grade again and again and again and again. More than a thousand premature deaths are expected directly related to the polluted air, the smog in Los Angeles. That's right. We're in the middle with no end in sight of a smog pandemic in L.A. 
Now, before you comment, before you send me a DM, I know pandemic is a loaded word, especially right now. I get that. But let me explain this. Pandemic is a widespread occurrence of illness or disease over a geographic region. This is from the National Institute of Health, by the way. And with that framework, I want to repeat, over 1,300 people are losing their lives in Los Angeles every year with a direct correlation to the smog. And this has been happening in the same proportion for more than 80 years. And that's just in Los Angeles. Across the world, and here's where pandemic comes in, that number is 4.2 million people every year lose their lives prematurely because of air pollution. You can look that up. That's per the World Health Organization. You don't trust that? Okay, let's look at Nature, the scientific journal. They say the number is 3.3 million people a year losing their lives prematurely. Now that's a pandemic, smog, air pollution. And LA didn't invent this pandemic. It's just sort of spearheaded it in the United States. And again, we just live with it. I mean, the Paris Climate Agreement exists. It was adopted in 2015 and it was a legally binding international treaty on climate change. But we just live with it. And now let me rewind back to where this all started, at least in Los Angeles terms. That fateful July day in 1943, this was July 26th. And again, there are pictures of this. People were so gobsmacked that there are photos, various places in Los Angeles. And I am posting all this. I'm excited from the perspective of this is really a cool discovery that I'm excited to share. And there are headlines. This was a major event in L.A. And now imagine, 1940s Los Angeles. It was just coming into its own. Migrants, immigrants. This is the land of dreams. Orange groves, beaches, palm trees, crystal clear skies, 300 days per year. Los Angeles had more sanitariums. That's where people went to kind of get healthy and cure their chronic illnesses. Los Angeles had more sanitariums than anywhere in the country because people believed that simply moving to the climate of Los Angeles would clear up chronic illnesses. That's how pristine it was. And it worked for tuberculosis, bronchitis. The air of Los Angeles was a cure-all. But not after July 26, 1943. And get this, for the first nine years of this gas cloud hanging over the city, nobody could pinpoint the origin of this poison in the air. People were in an uproar. It was the state of the unknown. People were wearing gas masks to grocery stores. Gas masks. That sound familiar? And now, the city which couldn't figure it out, was trying to set up solutions. They were scurrying. They were setting up committees. And one of the things they did was set up a smog relief team. They hired people to walk around downtown Los Angeles with hoses attached to tanks of fresh air to give relief to people braving these noxious fumes. Entire businesses grew out of this problem. This is the 1940s, early 1950s. People were selling balloons full of quote-unquote fresh desert air. I'm serious. I'm, I'm posting these pictures. This is real. 
There are photos of outdoor banquets with entire tables of people wearing gas masks. Like I said, the police were wearing gas masks. So Los Angeles Mayor Fletcher Boron was having a full-blown crisis and he vowed to snuff it out in six months. Citizens were demanding that the government take action. So in 1947, the entire state of California passed something called the California Air Pollution Control Act, specifically earmarked for Los Angeles, but it gave all cities in California the authority to create and enforce their own air pollution regulations. And now at the time, everybody, the scientists, thought smog was caused by something called sulfur dioxide. And that had plagued many cities. I mean, you've seen it, Black Lung in London, New York. This was a consequence of coal plants and also backyard incinerators. I'm going to get into that a little bit too. And this was a good theory because there were 200,000 of these trash burning incinerators in Los Angeles and those got banned. But it didn't help. The powers that be, Mayor Boron, the appointed scientists, PhDs to figure it out. This was an emergency, a legit emergency, health emergency situation. Enter to the scene Arnold Beckman and biochemist Ari Hagen-Smith. They teamed up to find out what this nasty smog really was. And now Hagen-Smith had the idea. He opened his window and just collected the polluted Los Angeles air. And he condensed this smelly, noxious air into a few drops of brown liquid. And they didn't find sulfur dioxide, which they thought was the only source of smog at the time. They found something called organic peroxides. And Hagen-Smith, thank you, Mr. Ari Hagen-Smith, for figuring this out. He dug deep, did his science, and he found out that these peroxides were from the incomplete combustion of gasoline. Hmm. Where do we use gasoline? Yep. Therefore... Car emissions were to blame for L.A. smog. Cars in all their mass-produced, big-bodied glory. The very thing that was defining Los Angeles with its new freeways in the 1940s and 50s and the do-anything, go-anywhere lifestyle. These cars were the ones spewing these noxious fumes and making a mess of L.A.'s iconic air. Oh boy, that is a pickle for the people of Los Angeles. But there's also one other huge factor. I don't want to get in the weeds on this, but this is important. It's called the inversion layer. Los Angeles' geographic layout is very unique. Okay, the climate forms what's called an inversion layer. An inversion forms when the layer of air close to the surface, the ground air, is cooled at night by the ground or by cold ocean water. Now, you live in LA. I, I live in the valley, so I know it's cold. 6 a.m., no matter what time of year, it's cold. And by the ocean, by the coast, it's cold. But the layer above it is warmer. And with all our beautiful mountain ranges, San Gabriel, San, Santa Monica, all this stuff, the layer of air above all this is warmer, and it acts like a lid. And because of those mountains, it traps the cooler air. And this inversion layer traps pollutants or even smoke from all of our wildfires. 
But along with the cool air, it traps the pollution and creates smog and it just sits there. So cars plus the inversion layer provided the perfect cocktail for this smog and have caused really an epidemic that's a worldwide pandemic that's lasted 80 years here in Los Angeles. And seven of the 10 smoggiest counties in the U.S. are in California, but Los Angeles is far and away number one. So it was once a frightful state of the unknown that caused panic is now something that we just live with in Los Angeles every day. Sound familiar? All right, now, if you're going to do one thing in L.A. this week, whether or not the smog is enveloping the city, do this. Go to Dave's Hot Chicken. I'm wearing their t-shirt right now because I love this place. And I know hot chicken's all the rage and it was invented elsewhere. I want to say Nashville, but man, this place to me, is like the modern Kogi. They took a food, made it so Los Angeles and created a phenomenon. Let me explain. Dave's Hot Chicken was created by four best friends from LA, of course. Dave Capuchian, Armand Oganessian, and Tommy and Gary Rubenian. Now, Dave, Dave's Hot Chicken, was a classically trained chef. He worked in Thomas Keller's French Laundry, at one point known as the greatest restaurant in the world. And he set out to create the perfect hot chicken by searching, tasting, seasoning, frying, and he thought he hit the recipe on the nail on the head. So the four friends scrounged up $900, $900. This is in 2017 to put a tiny stand in an East Hollywood parking lot. And the menu was simple because the chicken was the star. This was sourced and prepared to be the juiciest, most tender chicken imaginable. And look, I don't know how many you cook. I, I like to fashion myself something of a cook. Chicken is hit and miss these days. And you know what I mean if you're cooking. There's a lot of this weird rubbery stuff that's out there. And I don't know if it's because they put too many antibiotics, too many steroids. But man, at Dave's, you get these clean, nice little chicken breasts, right? And each piece is made with Dave's signature mix of spices. And, and the heat, you can do no spice or go crazy and do the Reaper, right? I don't go that crazy. I will go that crazy on occasion, but I don't generally go that crazy. But they launched in 2017. From this parking lot, it was a pop-up. I mean, what is more LA than that? So cool. I love it. I love it, right? I remember this. And Instagram buzz happened. These guys are dope at social media. Go follow them, Dave's Hot Chicken. I mean, if you don't know them, you probably know them. So I ain't even going to say it. But the Instagram buzz was big and it was real. And the lines began to grow. So two nights after they launched, Eater LA showed up. And they wanted to see what the fuss was all about. So the next morning's headline, and Eater LA, and you can look this up, said East Hollywood's late night chicken stand might blow your mind. Now this is Farley Elliott. He's the big dog of Eater LA. And this is when food mania was taking over this city. Los Angeles was really just coming to its own, at least from the perspective of the outside world as a culinary city. And Eater LA was one of the biggest voices. 
Jonathan Gold was still around and LA was the city for food and pop-ups were big. Social media phenomena were big. This was a, a perfect storm of factors. Great chicken, great buzz, and great press. So instantly, the line stretched around the block. And these four dudes, man, a year later, within one year, the boys had the money to open a shop in a strip mall in Hollywood. It's still there on Western, south of Santa Monica. And the crowds continued to grow. Wait times of an hour or more. And there are other places for hot chicken, but it was something about Dave's. And this is what I love about LA, where you just know it when you see it. You feel it. You taste it. You're like, man, this is so LA. Like, I love it. Like, to this day, I'm getting excited. I want this. I want to go get some hot Dave's hot chicken slider right now. And they thrived for two years. They were opening new, new locations. But very deliberately, man, these dudes are smart. So within two years, by the fall of 2019, these dudes had investors, right? They were, they were LA local. They were street. They were just focused on the food. Like I was there. I saw it. I tasted it. I knew it. But it was so good that they had investors. We're talking Wetzel's Pretzels CEO and co-founder Bill Phelps. Movie producer John Davis. If you don't know John Davis, he produced the Predator movies, the Grumpy Old Men movies, the Firm, iRobot, Waterworld. I mean, this dude is like legendary going back in the day. They made plans to have more than 800 locations in the United States and Canada. They already have more than 100. We're talking a place that started in 2017. And it's not because of marketing. And though, yo, the social media buzz has a lot to do with it. But it is good, man. You get a Dave's Hot Chicken Sandwich. Woo! That's a bite of LA. And since then, they've had other investors and celebrities. Drake, Samuel Jackson, Maria Shriver, a.k.a. former first lady of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife, Michael Strahan, Boston Red Sox owner Tom Werner. And it turns out that this week is a perfect week because this is their sixth anniversary. And they're celebrating by going back to their roots by having a pop-up in that exact same parking lot. So check that out. I mean, I know lines are going to be crazy, but it's going to be a scene. It's going to be dope. But if you can't make that, there's like a dozen locations in LA. They have places in San Diego, up and down the coast. And I love an American dream story, man. Especially one that starts in Los Angeles. And that's exactly what this is. So go to Dave's Hot Chicken this week. It is delicious. So that's our show. Woo. This was a good one. I had fun. I hope you had fun. Thank you for listening. This has been In a Minute with Evan Lovett. Don't forget to give me that five-star rating. I promise you it takes like five seconds. Whether you're on Apple Spotify, the Odyssey app, Overcast, Omni, whatever you're on. Give me that good rating. Share it. If you have 15 seconds, give me a review. It helps so much and it is highly appreciated. All right, y'all. It's been a minute.